Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. I had prepared this ideas of this sermon I had in my computer for a long time. And everywhere I went, the pastors are all talking about the same thing. And it's so interesting to me that as I share this today is really just like a lot of prophetic words that I've been stirring on and some scriptures I've really been thinking about that I really feel is the season for now where we are at. I feel like it's a word for right now. And it talks about in the scriptures, the sons of Issachar, you've heard us quote this. They knew the times that they were in. But it wasn't just that they knew the time they were in. They knew what to do in the time that they were living in. And I really feel today, I just want Holy Spirit to speak to each one of us to know that this is a season we're in and this is what I personally am called to go after. I feel like there's a word for every person in this room today to hold on to. It might be in the beginning, it might be in the end of the message, but it's the word the Lord is stirring in me and I believe it's for our body for such a time as this that we're living in right now. And so I just want to pray over our hearts first, and then um, I'll go into the message. It's in Isaiah. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you are here. You are present in this place. I thank you, God, in worship. I thank you for our amazing worship team and for the sounds of heaven that come through them. And I thank you, God, that as we worship you, your presence comes, that sickness goes. God, I thank you as your presence comes, anxiety flees, fears leave solutions come. God, I thank you for your presence. Lord, it's in your presence where everything, we want to live and move and have our being. It's in that place, God. So I ask, Lord, as we just study the word today, as we listen to the prophetic, God, I ask that you open our hearts to receive from you the words that you have for each one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bear with me in my little voice here. Um, It's hanging in there. So I want to read a prophetic word that came from Joanne Moody. And she has Agape Ministries. And she's a part of our network of churches. And um, she's got a wild testimony. If you want to look her up online. She was an invalid. I mean like sick, sick. Over 15 years. Horribly sick. And uh, God miraculously healed her. I mean, like, miraculously, deathbed to life again and running around where her back, she was incapable of moving. She's in so much pain all the time and totally healed. And now she's like fire for the kingdom, salvations and a move of God through her. But anyway, I want to read a word that she shared because I felt like it was really timely for us for right now. So we are in a season where the Lord is moving many people around. There is a divine shuffling happening. And the Lord is preparing his bride for a fresh move of his spirit. Those who are called to plant and stay will receive reinforcements and see an expansion of their influence. And those who are called to move are stepping into divine strategies for their purposes in God's kingdom. We all play a significant part in God's plan, and we are like pieces on his chessboard, strategically advancing with one goal in mind, the kingship of Jesus and the great harvest. Amen? I honestly felt like that was such a word of the Lord for burning hearts. I know she gave it corporately to our network of churches, 
but I felt so strongly it was for us. We have seen this shifting and people moving to burning hearts from states, you know, West Coast and all over and just being a part of what God's doing here. And if you have felt unsettled in this transition season, you're not alone. Like he is adjusting and moving us and stretching us and getting us aligned with his plans and purposes for you and for your family in this season for such a time as this. And I really sense, um, as, I'm, as we're going to go through Isaiah today, I think God ha- will have a peace for each one of you today. I had prepared this message part of it before Denny had been here. And Isaiah 60 is what he spoke part of his message on. And I just want you to know, I'm going to take it a whole different turn. But everything he said, yes and amen. We're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. But I um, want us to go to Isaiah 60 as well. And we're looking at, this is the declaration of Jesus coming. But Christ in us, that very hope of glory that Danny talked about, we're declaring of what God is doing through us right now in this season. And I believe... um, He's calling us, uh, he's coming back for his bride, right? And his bride has to be powerful and ready and amazing and knowing that, they're the, that his bride is, that we are his bride, the bride of Christ, just awaiting for his arrival. Um, I've been stirred up um, with the word Maranatha lately, and it's only in 1 Corinthians. I'm going to read this to you, a little nugget. The greeting is in my own hand. This is Paul writing, and all of a sudden he takes his pen and writes in his own hand. So someone else might have been writing for him. He says, that is Paul. If anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. Maranatha. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. It's his closing remarks, but he says that word Maranatha, and it's an Aramaic word. He's writing in Greek. So our New Testament was all written in Greek, and then he pulls in this Aramaic word Maranatha. And that word in itself means, Lord Jesus, come. He came, and he's coming. It was a greeting that he used. You know, a lot of times we'll say, and when we pray, the God who was, who is, and who is to come. Maranatha is, Lord Jesus, come. He came and he's coming again. Amen? This is the moment we live in. He is here with us, but we know the promises in his word. He's coming again. We're in this natural reset right now as our world is resetting. I mean, hello, have you ever seen such crazy in politics and in our world and everything that's going on? And the Lord has been stirring me about the transition of this season as, season as a body of Christ. I see the bride coming out with greater authority because we know who we are in him. And so I want to talk about that today is that authority that we carry as his kids, that authority that we carry with the very Christ in us, the hope of glory. And in this season, I believe he's giving each one of us strategies on how to take the land. And when I say that, strategies in your personal life right now, you're in things and in battles where you need his kingdom to come in and shift things, don't you? Ted and I have been in this battle over some things just in our life, just in prayer. And, you know, all of us have things. And this is a number of things, and it was more personal with him. And as I was seeking the Lord, he dropped in these verses into me, and it just brought the authority of who we are in this season. 
And so I wrote them out on these cards and I posted them in our bathroom so as he shaves, he can declare these things, right? That this is what God says. What we see might not look like this, but as we take authority and partner with heaven, this is what he says. And you know what? Within two weeks, things just shifted and changed. And it was a big deal. And all I can say is he's wanting to do that with each one of us in all of our circumstances as we invite him in. He wants to empower us and give us the discernment that we need to see things advance. His kingdom is advancing. And he's coming back for a bride who knows who she is and knows who he is. And that we are going after what he's called us to do on this planet earth. He's pouring out on on us in this season and in this time. You know, this fall, um, the calendar and the Hebrew calendar, they have New Year's in the fall, right? And we were looking at that in one of our meetings, and it just stirred me. And it's this year in the Hebrew calendar is the year 5782. You know, their Hebrew calendar is different than ours. And in Strong's Concordance, 5782 is awaken. Amen? Awaken. This is the year of us to awaken as the body of Christ, to awaken in our calling, to awaken in the things that we're going after. I feel this, the Holy Spirit's breath on these numbers. You know, um, numbers have in the Hebrew, they go with symbols in the alphabet, but also with prophetic language. And five is grace, and seven is completion, eight is a new chapter, and two is double portion. Amen? Let's step into that double portion in this new reset, this new chapter where God is moving in incredible grace in our lives and through us and in us. You know, it's exciting to see this multi-generational thing that's taking place where when Ted and I grew up, a lot of times the language was, the young people are going to do it. They're going to bring revival, right? How many older like me remember those meetings, right? I want you to know, older, younger, in between, we're all in this. This is a multi-generational move. We need the wisdom of the people who have lived longer than the younger people, right? We need the childlike faith. We need the kids involved. It is a multi-generational movement of God on planet Earth right now, and we're in it. And I believe he's awakening us and showing us the place that we're in in this season and what we in Fargo, North Dakota are called to do. I'm getting to Isaiah in a minute. (laughs) I want to say one other thing. We've been studying revival, Ted and I, and um, for history because we teach it in discipleship school. And so we talk about our personal revival history with Burning Hearts. But we also talk about revival history in this city and in this region, in Minnesota and North Dakota. And it's quite powerful, the moves of God that have taken place in the 30s and 40s in this region and what God did and he poured out. But all those moves pretty much stopped abruptly, most of them, after 25 years. And the Lord's like, This is for every generation to be handed off to the next, to hand it off to the next generation. And I believe in this awakening, we need to see that vision of what we do is important and what you say and how you hand things off is really important. You guys are carrying the very presence of God. You're carrying wisdom of who he is. We've been studying this intimacy with him and how to hear his voice and how to say yes, those little yeses and what they mean to change people's lives when we say yes to him and to change our life. But you know what? 
It's all of us, all hands on deck, right? Anyway, you know, in that revival that took place here, there's a number of them um, throughout the region in just small areas, small towns. There was a hub here that actually, the hub of it is under the old Sanford Merrick Care, St. John, what was it called? St. Luke's. St. Luke's Hospital was where it was located. And out of there, they had these apostolic people that would go out and church plant all over the state and all over um, Minnesota. But they had great awakenings and revival. The first missionaries ever to go to Africa came from Moorhead, Minnesota. And they were awakened in these revivals, and that was in the late 1800s. And, you know, in those times, and we were studying it and looking at these things, it was very interesting. Think about in Acts, when people in the presence of God came, what happened in Acts 2. These guys are drunk, right? They look crazy. Who are these people? Well, that's what happened in these moves of God. The power and presence of God would fall in the meetings, and people would wail in intercession and travail, however you want to say it. They would just be overtaken in intercession, or they would be shaking under the presence of God. And they were literally thrown in jail. Fergus Falls threw a number of people in jail over the move of God. And what happened in Acts? They're thrown in jail. But what was their go-to? What did they go back to? They went back to him and they worshiped and prayed and everything changed. You know, all of a sudden this understanding of revival began to be seen in this region. This understanding of what God was doing. In Acts, what did he do? He shook and opened up the cells and they were set free. But I just want to say is in this season, if things are getting difficult and you guys have been, we've had a difficult couple of years but we always go back to that main thing. What's the main thing? Cindy just declared it. It's Jesus and his presence. It's worship. It's praying. It's knowing him, that intimate place. And I know we're in this season where things are shifting and changing. And I know it's just the birth pains. When you read it in Matthew 24 and 25, it's the birth pains of the end times. But I know we're in those things and we've been in them a long time. But I also know that he is pouring out his spirit on us. He's showing us how to live our life and how to walk in that full authority and the abundance of who he's created each one of us to be as we go back to that simplicity of just knowing Jesus. Anyway, that was a bonus. Now let's go to the sermon. <laughs> no. <clears throat> Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 4. four. Rise up in splendor and be radiant, for your light has dawned, and Yahweh's glory now streams from you. Look carefully, darkness blankets the earth, and thick gloom covers the nations, but Yahweh arises upon you, and the brightness of his glory appears over you. Nations will be attracted to your radiant light, and kings to the sunrise glory of your new day. Lift up your eyes higher. Look all around you and believe, for your sons are returning from afar, and your daughters are being tenderly carried home. Watch as they all gather together, eagerly to come back to you. Rise up in splendor and be radiant, for your light has dawned. We're declaring who Jesus was when he came in these scriptures. Isaiah is seeing a picture. But when Jesus came, he rose from the dead and he said, Now, here you go. I'm giving it to you. Now go and make disciples. Go and do greater things than these will I do in my name. Will you do in my name? He is calling us to be that light in our city. 
Out of intimacy with him, out of knowing him, we're bringing this great light into a city that needs hope, to a people that needs hope. In verse 18, it says, threats of violence will no longer be heard in your land, nor will destruction and ruin be found within your borders. You will name your walls salvation and your gates praise. I want to name our walls salvation and our gates praise. Highway salvation and gate praise. All right, I-94, I-29. Here you go. But let's just think about that a minute, that declaration of the enemy is fleeing and salvation and praise is welcomed in this city. I've been stirring on the verses um, in Isaiah 60, 61, 62, in that area. And um, the Lord kept bringing me back to, I want us to go to Exodus 23, to Exodus 23, to look at some principles in the scripture. Because there's threats of violence will no longer be. And I feel like as if we know who we are as a church, that authority to take out the enemy, to eradicate the enemy from our lives, from our city, from whatever, for a move of God. I feel like Exodus 23 lays out an incredible um, roadmap of how things are done. As we've been looking at those revival histories and just talking about it, um, <clears throat> when I was in theology school, um, C. Peter Wagoner, I took a number of classes from him, and it was on intercession. And some of them were on mapping your city and intercession. And so when you do that, this is such a bunny trail, but when you do that, you look at the strongholds in the city and you start praying and you call the intercessors together and pray and you walk the land and you take the land and you begin to pray over those things that are strongholds in your city. And as those strongholds are taken out, the Lord comes in and salvation comes to cities and regions. But so many of the revivals are birthed out of prayer. And it wasn't just random prayer. It was partnering with God and his presence and strategically asking him what we're to go after. And so I feel like I need to challenge some of you intercessors in the room that um, this teaching may give you some roadmaps for intercession in our season we're in. Because I feel like it's a son of Issachar time where we're going to know what to do in this season. So let's look at verse 20 in Exodus 23. And this is Moses. And they're taking out the enemies. He's going in, and this is how God's way of taking out the enemies. God's angels are going to prepare a way for them to come in. So he says, see, I'm sending an angel ahead of you, guarding you along the way, and to bring you to the place where I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion, since my name, notice capital N, the great I am, is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and I will oppose those who oppose you. Pause. There's a strategy. Listen and do. Listen and do, right? As we partner with God, we listen to his voice and we do what he says. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Pez. Perserites, Canaanites, Hivites, Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. So he comes in and he gives the strategies to eradicate the enemy. I'm sending my angels before you. I'm going to take them out. You crush 
and you don't bow to their culture or their gods, key number one is we live an opposite spirit world of the world that we live in, literally. Christ's spirit is so opposite of our world and so not the same culture. And then you demolish them. And then he says, I come in and God says, worship the Lord your God and his blessings are on our food, on our water. There will be no sickness among you and the miscarriages and there won't be barren and you will have a full lifespan. I get so frustrated when I see such an injustice. In the scripture, it says God has given us 70 or 80 good years. It's the only place that I can find where there's a time span on how much he's given us. And when I see people die before that age, I just get mad. And I think that on my watch, that is not right. Jesus paid for it all. He's given us and he's called us to live in that abundance and to bring his kingdom to earth and they should have a full lifespan. And so it's something that just stirs me to more. Like I just have to have more of you, Jesus, because I don't understand. And I still see sick among us. I have this silly cold. I'm so tired of having colds. There shouldn't be sickness among us. Let's pull our thinking up to see how his standard is versus our standard. His standard is very different than ours. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornets ahead of you to drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites out of your way. But I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. What does he do next? He sends a supernatural power in to bring confusion, to bring up that stirring of getting the enemy out and the confusion to go. And he says, little by little, because I want you to take the land. Think about this principle in modern America today. What if our whole city got saved in a day? Do we have capacity as churches to disciple, to bring them in, to teach them the word, to teach their children? Do we have that capacity? Or is it going to take this principle of the little by little, and then you take the land, and then you take the land? I believe that's it. I want to see would a city be saved in a day. I believe it's totally possible in him. But I believe a principle that he's showing us here is little by little. And I believe he, we are awakening. As I've had so many of you come and say, I really feel God speaking this. And I just want to encourage you. And they'll give me a prophetic word or they'll give me a verse. And I want you to know you are hearing from the Lord and you are walking this out. Each one of us carries his presence. We're called to be the light to this city. Each one of us carries this place where we're taking land little by little by little. I don't know what it looks for, like for each of you, but I know each of you carries his presence as you walk in this city. And I know he's giving us strategies on how to do this. And there's a key in these scriptures that was supernatural power that took place. I believe he's giving us divine strategies of the discerning of spirits to know what to pray against and when to invite his presence in. But I also believe it takes people just saying yes to him. A few weeks ago, someone told me they invited a friend to church and that friend came and they gave their life to Jesus and had never been in a church and had never seen Jesus before and just wept as they met Jesus. 
But you know what? It took that one friend who's kind of quiet, who invited another friend, and that friend came. What does it look like for each of us? You know, we all carry different gifts, different talents, different places of influence in this city. But I feel like such a time as this, the bride is awakening to the call. We're awakening to who we are. And then the occupation of the land. I will establish your borders, verse 31, from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the desert to the Euphrates. I will give you into your hands people who live in the land and you will drive out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me because the Worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. That is so powerful. We are really not to allow things of this world. And I believe those things that are right now, those sins in our life or those things that we've made okay in our life that probably aren't okay are going to be magnified in the future. Right now, I believe is our time to say, I don't want anything in me that recognizes the world. I want just you, Jesus. I want you to take all the sin. I keep saying no more wasting time. God, I don't want to waste time anymore. Show me what it looks like to live fully surrendered. I mean, those have been my prayers, but I feel like it's a season right now. There's a grace on this season for us to really clean house and to step into what he has. I can't explain it, but I know when tensions rise and when things get more difficult, it's easy to go back to the old wineskin, that old pattern. It's easy for us to do it, but I feel like there's this grace right now to get rid of it and to be exposing what the enemy has in this city, like those idols, those things that aren't important. Show them to us, God. Show us what those are, and we want to crush them and take the land. So in this place, I'm preaching to this most amazing church that steps in all the time. But I felt like I needed to share what's on my heart for this season, for right now. I was talking to my parents over Thanksgiving, and we were talking about the revivals in Minnesota, North Dakota, because some of it we lived in. I mean, that was our childhood. And my parents um, were a part of um, the Lutheran renewal in the early 70s. So was I. And it was um, the charismatic Lutheran meetings. And Larry Christensen kind of led it. And now North Heights, many of you know North Heights in Minneapolis. But that's my upbringing and my story. I was a part of that. My dad said, do you know that in those meetings, your brother, who was six years old, was in those meetings, and he heard this message from Larry Christensen that he can still quote today. I want you to know Holy Spirit is on all generations. But my brother today is a church planter, and he's planting, you know, he's done a few of them. But in, he w- went to school to be a hydrogeologist, and now he's church planting. But um, in, he could quote today, he, my dad said, he could quote today that message that Larry Christensen shared about going back to your first love. When you don't know what else to do, you go back to Jesus. When you don't know what else to do, you go back to his plan and purposes in your life, and you go back and wait in him. And I thought, that message is still powerful today. You know, when we don't know what else to do, we go back to him. And I was thinking about parents come to me, and they're like, we're so sorry our kids were loud. And I'm like, I do not care. They're here, and we don't know what Holy Spirit's doing in their hearts. You guys, I don't hear those kids. 
I want you to know I'm glad they're here. They're hearing the word there. They're getting fed in children's church, but the ones that have been in church, they're hearing it too, and their spirits are receiving things that we don't even know. My brother at six received stuff that 50 years later are being manifest in his life in great measure. We don't know what God has, but I know he wants us to wait on him, to go back to that first love, to stay in that place. Um, let's go back to Isaiah 60 a minute. In verses 21 and 22, I love these verses. The weakest will be a thousandfold. Let's look what it says. Then all your people will be righteous and they will possess the land forever. They are the shoot I have planted, the work of my hands for the display of my splendor. The least of you will become a thousand, the smallest a mighty nation. I am the Lord. It is time. I will do this swiftly. The least of us becomes the mighty, the weakest a thousandfold in Christ, the God of the impossible. Don't disqualify yourself. I had asked someone to pray for me today, and they're like, I'm not anointed. I'm like, you might not be, but Jesus in you is. You know what? I want you to pray for me. And I thought, the weakest among us is a thousandfold, you guys. I love when the kids pray on me. I remember one of our burns, we had healing prayer, and it was all kids over there praying for the adults. And God was moving. People were getting touched and healed, and pains were leaving, and legs were moving, and things like that were happening. And I thought, that's who I want to pray. That childlike faith, the faith that weakest in us, he, we are made strong in him, in his powerful might. It's that humility. I know that Denny went into the Joshua and the Caleb move in those things that Joshua carried and Caleb carried, but they carried this incredible dependence on God, this full-on surrender dependence on God. They were willing to take risk, but they knew who was backing them. They knew their authority in Christ. They were fearless. They were diligent. They were obedient. They were humble. They were all those things. And that's what he's asking of us, to just those simple little yeses. And he takes the weakest among us and makes them a thousandfold. Because it's Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come. He came and he's coming. We're in an incredible season in our life. God is moving mightily. I just want to end with Isaiah 61. If I can find it. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim, proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You are oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. We're to carry joy. We're to carry praise. We're to bring hope and peace into the generations. And to those that are around us, in our families, in our state, in politics, in business, in medicine, in wherever you're at, you're called to bring his very presence in your schools. That's who you are. 
that Christ in you, the hope of glory. Have I, did I share the Somali story yet? Okay, that was first service. I wanted to share this story. The weakest among us becoming so strong. Um, in high school, two friends of mine got married. It's high school sweethearts, right? And now they've adopted a number of kids. They've had a number of kids. I think they have 12. I probably am misquoting, but they have a number of children and they're adults now. And um, one in particular, their oldest daughter just had, she's this teeny petite thing, just passion for Somalia. And she'd just weep and say, I just got to go to Somalia. And she had this burden for this nation. And she'd just cry out to God as a young person, you know, totally from God. She went to mission school and all of the things. And the parents had this incredible struggle. I can't let my daughter go to Somalia. Like, I, it's just too violent. You know, I mean, they were just like struggling as parents, right? As all parents in this room are going, yes, I would never and they were just like, you can't do it, you can't do it. And she came back from missions training and she moved into an apartment in this city in Minnesota. And everyone in the apartment was relocated from Somalia. And God answered her prayer and her parents. <laughs> but God answered her prayer in a way that we would have thought of. We thought she had to pack her bags and fly over to a country. But God said, no, I am giving you this heart because I'm bringing them to you and your nation. I don't know what it looks like for you. You know, we only see in part. But I know as we walk with him and it is such a time, he's pouring out his spirit and we are listening to him as a body of believers. We're saying yes. We've been in this season of talking about the prophetic and the yeses and I'm seeing you guys step in in crazy ways and I am so blessed by that. But I honestly don't know what it looks like for you and for your family. But I know he has an incredible plan. And as we keep leaning into his heart and getting his heart for our place in the city, his passion for our place in the city, some of you are rising up and you're called to be evangelists. And you're going to see literally thousands come to know Christ. I know there are people in this church and in this room that are going to see thousands. There's others in here who are pastoral and you're going to come alongside people at your work or wherever and just see them hurting and love them. And you're going to come alongside them and do life with them and say, I'm here to help you. Let's pray through this, right? Everyone in this room carries different gifts, different talents. Some of you are saying, I have a burden for nations. I have a burden for nations. Ted knows it. I just cry out one day. I won't live here, I don't think. But I have burdens for nations that I just have yet to go to. And I know one day he's either bringing those nations to me or I'm going there. And some of you are saying, that's me too. But it's Jesus and we are in a season where he is taking us so much deeper. And he's coming again and he's awakening the bride do you feel that season? There's a shift we're in, and it's a good one. He's awakening us to who we are in him. He's awakening us to the calls and the giftings that we carry and to know who we are in him. And those simple conversations are turning into salvations. Those simple conversations are turning into invites into your life to bring people in to know who Jesus is and you're a light wherever you go. Let's just step in. I want you to stand. We're going to close here and I'll finish this another day. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. 
Oh. All right, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word of the Lord as we look in Isaiah and you just declare these things over us as Jesus showed us how to do this, how he broke the sin and canceled death and he took the keys from hell and he just brought it back to heaven and that we can live in that authority that he brought, that resurrection life of Jesus. I pray you awaken each one of us into that calling and destiny that you have as you are bringing shifts and changes and moving people around and bringing in pieces of what you're calling them into. I really believe you're in a prophetic season of hearing from God in this season. So God, I ask that we, as we go into that secret place with you, into that place in the quiet of intimacy with you, and we listen to you, God, I pray you speak. Speak so clear to us and that we would quickly say yes. God, I pray as we read the word, I just, as we read Isaiah this week, as we look in those scriptures, God, awaken our heart to who we are in you. Awaken us, God, to the call and the destiny and those pieces that you have for each one of us, God. I thank you for the move. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you loved us so much. You sent your son and that you're still coming again, that you're moving in this place. I thank you for our city that has yet to know and little by little by little, we take this land. God, we're taking the land. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're establishing in this city, pour it out. We just say yes to you. We yield ourselves to you. We yield our lives to you and we say yes. In any area where we've just held back from giving it all to you, I ask that you just help us, God, lay it all down. We just surrender and lay it all down. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. We thank you. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com. If you are in the Fargo area, we would love for you to join us at one of our Sunday services, either 9 or 1045 a.m. Have a great rest of your week.